0: From the, book of, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 6 through 8. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house, to, when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Well, you have noticed already an emphasis on prayer in this service. But we have been led all year by the Discipleship Council into an emphasis on prayer, and we've participated in a lot of different exercises uh, to stretch our, our prayer lives. Today, after church, we have a prayer walk around the building, and I hope you're planning to stay for that. It's one more way that the Discipleship Council is trying to stretch us a little bit beyond God is great, God is good there are other ways to pray this is important work because it's it's kind of like our spirits need training in the ways our bodies do to try different things to move in different ways it's kind of like the spiritual disciplines of crossfit right so you just try a new muscle every now and then in the life of prayer to see how it works I am convinced that not one of us gives enough attention to our inner life. Out of necessity, we're fighting off all of the external demands that keep coming at us too fast. There are reports due and ball practices and sales goals and tuba lessons and oil changes and all of that stuff is coming all the time. And it is easy to let our souls atrophy not because of a lack of interest but how, when, where so I keep pressing this from the pulpit as you've noticed reminding us that we need to pray and read and listen because failure to nurture the inner life of the soul will catch up to us eventually the same way that Failure to keep our bodies healthy will lead to a physical neglect and one day you're going to need help up out of the chair and you're going to say, how did that happen? It'll catch up to you eventually. And neglect the inner life and it will catch up to you too. So we come here together on Sundays to worship And breathe. Take a little time to exercise the soul that we might have neglected through the week. It is necessary. It is vital. But then, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can begin to think that we've done our due and that God is really proud of us for asking the blessing at dinner. I play golf with a retired Emory dermatologist and one afternoon we're on the first tee and I had lathered up in my sunscreen and and I said, look, aren't you proud of me? Look. And he said, no, it just proves to me you're not stupid. I love the fact that my golf buddies don't treat me like the preacher. I mean, there's a temptation to think that God's really proud of us for going to church and occasionally reading the Bible and praying for things at times that it's not even a crisis. Look at me. Well, the Israelites had gone into this mode and they had devised all kind of elaborate and symbolic rituals of their spiritual discipline and all of it important had rituals of prayer, seasons of fasting, sackcloth for repentance, Sabbath rest, unleavened bread for Passover, all of it, important ritual. These are the calisthenics of the faith. They are the daily, weekly, and seasonal disciplines that keep the inner life healthy. The problem was that they had lapsed into thinking that was the goal. Tending to me. And prophets will call you out on that stuff. Now many people think about the prophets primarily as being future tellers. But the, the prophets are not primarily seers into the future as they are courageous contemporary preachers. They saw injustice Waste, corruption, sin, and they just call it out. And they tell you to your face, God's not happy about it. Don't go around patting yourself on the back for putting on sunscreen. I mean, if you're impressed with yourself for keeping all of your spiritual disciplines that keep you whole, that keep you from falling apart inside, don't tell a prophet how impressed you are with yourself. Now I know and recognize that there are some people who have no time or regard or interest for nurturing their spiritual soul. Like there are people who have no time, regard, or interest for caring for their physical health. So be it, this sermon is not for you. As Anne Lamott said, we are not punished for our sins, we are punished by them. But there is another group, I think most of us, who we do want to tend to the inner life. But we might get tempted to treat prayer and worship and Bible study as an end to itself. Forgetting that discipleship, fitness of the soul, is in service to others. Our call as the people of God is to help heal a hurting world. And as I said, if you want to get into spiritual shape in hopes of impressing God with your piety instead of helping those on the margins, well, don't bump out your chest and brag in front of one of the prophets because they'll smack you down on that. Did you hear what was read earlier? It was this exactly. This is what Isaiah had to say to the pious ones. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice? To undo the straps of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free? To break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? By the way, that last line has gnawed at me a little bit all week. Isaiah accused those impressed by their own religious practices. He accused them... Of hiding from their own kin, that's an awful thing to say. And we do it all the time. Here's my confession. I get to come y'all are here on Sunday. I get to come to this beautiful building every day to go to work. Have you been to my office? It's beautiful. If you have not been my office, please come see me in my office. I have a lovely place to work. And on Wednesdays, Wednesday is the day I close the door and I spend the whole day reading and writing and praying and hopefully emerging with a first draft of the Sunday sermon. Here's a recommended prayer discipline. If you're not praying for me on Wednesday mornings to show up with a first draft of, you can start that this week. I need a first draft when I come out on Wednesday. But I stay hidden away all of Wednesday. And I pray for you all. And it helps that you all mostly sit in the same place. Because I kind of work around the room and think about who I'm preparing a sermon for. Wednesdays are long days. Wednesday night church means usually 12-hour days for me. When I go home after my long day, I open the garage door close it behind me, and I hide again. Which means, except for Wednesday night church, I spend all day long in hiding. Now, maybe you're going to give me a pass on my 12-hour Wednesday, but the truth is, I go home most days and close the garage door rather than confront what's in the street just beyond the doors of my townhome. Because I live in a church-informed bubble with you all. Not with them. But I see what you see all week. Men on the street corners with bottles and paper bags. And women pushing grocery carts along Piedmont. And every day... Near my home, in front of the the dump, you know, near the Quick Trip on Sydney Marcus, there are about twenty Latino men waving down cars in hopes of getting a day's work or a tip to help somebody haul the sofa upstairs. I see the vacant stares of toddlers on Buford Highway, who are holding their mother's skirt, waiting to cross the road. And I go home after long days of study and prayer and close my garage door and hide from my own kin. By the way, Isaiah is not the only Old Testament prophet to rail against religious practices that don't translate into goodness. Amos told Israel that God said, I hate, despise your feasts. And I take no delight, your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your instruments. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Micah had this to say in Judah. What is it God really wants from us? Is it burnt offerings? What about young calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressing? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O human, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. I'm just saying, if your religion has no application beyond the tending of your own lawn, then don't let one of the prophets know about it. But you know what? We're used to hearing the prophets, we're we're accustomed to hearing them following these words of warning with words of condemnation, right? We expect to hear words like smote and smite and punishment and banishment, but Isaiah takes a completely different turn. He doesn't show a picture of what's coming your way if you insist on keeping faith a private matter. Isaiah doesn't give images of fire for those who worship on Sunday and forget where they put it on Monday. Instead, he gives a rich picture of what it looks like if your worship does lead to loving action. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And I know some of these people, don't you? Some of these people whose light just breaks forth like the dawn. Some of these people are here on Mondays. They'll be here tomorrow. Take this... uh, this beautiful plant arrangement, and they'll put them into vases and deliver them to shut-ins. There was a group that was worshiping here last Sunday that came, got together last Monday to go to Toco Hills Community Alliance and serve the poor there. I know some people who always bake two casseroles they need to have one to give away I know some people who take one of their weeks of vacation to go to Miami to work with the street kids in the summer I know some people who open their checkbooks with an outrageous generosity because they know something must be done to loosen the bonds of injustice and help the homeless poor then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing spring up quickly. We are hiding ourselves from our own kin, which means if I see people rightly, then I see my kin in the distressed and vacant eyes of the needy. My people. And then it becomes my uncle who holds the paper bag and bottle. It is my mother who pushes the cart on Piedmont. It is my granddaughter who tugs at the tattered skirt on Buford Highway. And if our Sunday worship can't find its way to Monday's loving acts, then we are hiding from our own kin. Now, I'm not encouraging the young women of the church to stop and load up the car with day workers at the dump. I'm not suggesting that each of us go out and adopt a homeless person and pick up fix up the spare bedroom although some of you might be called to do just that but if our worship in here on Sunday is not leading to lavish acts of love then it is empty as you know October is our focus on intentional giving and one of the things all of us can do is leverage our financial support to loose the bonds of injustice, to share bread with the hungry. It's this simple. The more money we pledge and give, the more good we're able to do in a hurting world. And if your prayer disciplines and Bible studies are not leading toward more generosity, then you don't want to let one of the prophets know about it. Generosity is just one of the ways our Sunday religion can be transformed into Monday acts of love. Anne Marie told the story a few minutes ago about the phone call I got a couple of years back from an attorney who was representing the estate of Louise McGuire. She left the $2 million to our church with instructions. That we use that estate gift to help the poor. Which means we now have an endowed account that for all time, the earnings off of that money will go to loose the bonds of injustice, undo the straps of the yoke, help the oppressed go free. From now on, her generosity will share bread with the hungry care for the homeless poor, and clothe the naked. Every Sunday, I talk about how much I love gathering with you in this room for worship. But today, my question is not about Sunday, but about what your Monday looks like. How is Sunday worship going to translate into helping the oppressed go go free, into loosening the bonds of injustice. If this week does not include some serious action step toward generous compassion, if our Sunday worship doesn't move us to Monday's loving acts, I sure wouldn't want one of the prophets to know it because they had something to say about it. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelia Baptist Church.